Welcome to the Essential Dynamics podcast. I'm Derek Hudson. Essential Dynamics is a framework I've been working on to help us work through our trickiest opportunities. And in this podcast, we test the concepts of Essential Dynamics through deep conversations with interesting people. And I'm delighted to have Travis Anderson back on for another episode. Travis is a very interesting person. We had a great conversation about culture and football at our last uh, last meeting, and we're back back for more. Travis, thanks for coming back on. Excited to be here again. So, so Travis, we we talked about the importance of culture. We talked about the word that I was fixated on, energy, and how culture uh, can give you access to energy. One of the phrases uh, you use is "culture by design" as opposed to "culture by default." Yeah. So your every organization has a culture. So if you didn't design it, then it, it's by default. Uh, if you if you were the leader of an organization, if you were a new leader of an organization that had a problematic culture, what would be some of the things you'd want to include in your design of that culture? Mm. You know, I, uh, that's a great question because uh, that's the question I've been thinking about and talking about and researching for the last 30 years. And the thing I love about it is there's no cookbook answers, but what I have found is, is there's, there's literally uh, eight keystones of culture, what I like to call uh, foundational that, that I think every effective culture one way or another uh, needs to be aware of in order to truly create that sense of purpose, right? And that sense of connection, that sense of unity that I talked about in our last uh, episode. Um, and, and I'll just go over, uh, I'll, I'll just tell them really quickly and just spend a little time on the first couple uh, because we don't have time to go through them all. But I, I just want to give you a brief overview because they're, they're fascinating to me. Because they're, they, these these keystones in culture not only work in companies, not only in sports teams, but they also work in families. Whenever you have two or more people, right? Whenever you even have a you know a marriage, any any group, any partnership, two or more people, these keystones and being aware of them and using them to build culture can be extremely effective. Um, the first thing is is to have a sense of clarity around a cause. And what I mean by clarity around a cause is I'm talking about a deep-seated sense of clarity around purpose and what it is that you're about. What is it that, that, that really uh, gets you up in the morning, right? And, and what is it that you can rally around? Like we talked about in our, in our last session, um, you know, it was bigger than football with the University of Utah. It's about we're doing this. We're creating a connection. We are creating excellence together right? That's what it's about. Uh, and creating a strong bond of brotherhood. They, they consider themselves family. And, and that's that overarching cause, right? That's that overarching sense of, of clarity around purpose. And So, so I, I, lo I like your alliteration, clarity around cause. Yeah. But uh, purpose is a good word too. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, and I think they're pretty much the same. The I think the only thing that's different about cause is, is it, it's, it, it's, it, in my mind, even a deeper iteration of, of what a purpose is. Sometimes you think of purpose as 
is just an, an overall long-term objective. A cause is something that burns in your heart. Sure. And, 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 and uh, energy. yeah, a, a deep purpose that's something, something that means something and, and probably that means something for somebody else. Yes, absolutely. And quite honestly, that's exactly right. That it's not about you. It's about us. That's the thing I love about a cause. And that's why it can be applied in your, in your families and in companies and in sports. What's interesting too, I'll get, I'll get, I'll go over the other six really quickly, the other seven, and then we'll come back and talk about which, whatever one you want, you want. But the second one is, is creating um, common language and using common language slash shared activities. You cannot create a sense of, of teamwork or a sense of, of, togetherness without doing things together and without having common language. Yeah. And so number two is having common language. Number three is, is stories. People don't realize that, that intentionally sharing stories is one of the most powerful ways you build culture. And, and again, we can go in depth with that, but just know that those personal stories is what people remember. You can have all kinds of, of processes and you can have all kinds of words and you can have all kinds of, statistics and analysis, but I tell you what people remember are stories. Right? So number three, your stories. Number four are symbols. Symbols, good example of those are, uh, you know, you take football, for example, so many symbols in football. Uh, you have a team, you got the Utes, right? You have a logo, University of Utah Utes, and that's a powerful one because they have an incredible partnership with the Ute tribe. And, and they're very proud of that because there's certain f- beliefs of the Ute Indian tribe, Native Indians, and that, that they prescribe, you know, that they, that they live up to. Uh, and then, of course, where would Nike be without the swoosh? Where would Apple be without the Apple? Yeah. You know, I'm just a big believer that symbols are so powerful, not only in terms of logos, but so many other things that, that, that can make a difference. In addition to symbols, then you have uh, – you have traditions, right? You have traditions. And, and, and one good example of a tradition is, is I work with a lot of, of uh, uh, steel manufacturing and erection, uh, one in particular erection company, and one of the traditions that they have is a topping off party. After they built, you know, a 60-story hotel in, in Las Vegas or wherever, and they also built the Los Angeles Rams Stadium and whatever else, the last beam, the highest beam is, is that, they, they paint it white and they have a little Christmas tree on one side and we don't have time to go into that, but there's a symbol and a purpose for that and American flag on the other and it's white and everyone signs their name for the people that were on that team. Have you, are you familiar with that? No, but I, I get the value of everyone signing their name and I've been and involved in that's an amazing, different ceremonies like that. Yeah. Amazing traditions that, that, that yeah. bring people together, whether it's in families or companies or, you know, in sports, whatever. I mean, ball games are traditions. You know, there's just so many traditions that have been going back for hundreds of years. So then the next one is you've got, uh, you have rituals slash norms, rituals slash team norms and company norms. And, 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 and rituals are, are, are basic things that you get into habits or routines or, you know, certain, like one of the things I really highlight for people are you need to do, uh, uh, quarterly retreats, uh, if you really are serious about culture and sometimes that's for the entire company, sometimes it's for certain parts of the company, whatever it is, but you need to get people together in person. You know, I, I, I know that technology is great and you can use a lot of other 
um, digital kinds of things, but I still big believe in nothing like a, 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 an old fashioned conversation with a group of people. Right. So, and, you, and your preference would be around a campfire if you could. Absolutely. Right. Outside. Yeah. I love the outdoors. Right. Because that's where, that's where people, when you go outside, the walls come down. Yeah. And I love doing uh, things all the way from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. I took a group of executives there uh, to, to ropes courses, to, to, to uh, high-performing, uh, uh, modern school high-performance driving. I mean, it's just having adventures together. It goes back to what I said earlier about those shared activities slash common language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in addition to that, there's two others that are really important that people often forget about. And one is what I like to call creating psychological safe space. You got to create psychological safe space for people to be themselves. Because if you don't create that psychological safe space, then people can't really connect. And when you do that, the last, I think this is the last one. uh, the, The last keystone is what I call deep human connection. And the only way to create deep human connection is do whatever all those other keystones create that. But deep human connection goes another step further. And that is you really have dialogue and conversations that come from the heart, not just ahead. Mm-hmm. So those are some keystones that, that I find particularly useful and helpful to keep in mind. If you want to build a culture is you have that as a checklist, you know, what are our symbols, right? What, what are we, what are we doing to create opportunities for, for people to do have traditions and some and rituals and, and norms that you create. Right. And, and, and those common bonds and how, if you just use those keystones, that's one of the best places to start. But I think you have to start at the very top, which is to have a, a true cause. A true cause. Yeah. Uh, um, actually there's another reference to that. Simon Sinek calls it the just cause. You have to have a just cause. Interesting. Yes. Um, and if, if people accept it as a just cause. And and then I think what I, from your football, from the, from the youth football team, I take that sometimes the purpose doesn't have to be the outcome mm-hmm. of the organization. It can be the impact on the people involved. Absolutely. In fact, that's it's so interesting. I just uh, had a dialogue with uh, Kyle Whittingham about a year ago. Um, I interviewed him for a book I'm writing about, uh, about building culture called the culture builders. And, uh, and I said, what's been the most meaningful, the most, uh, meaningful and, and valuable aspects of coaching. Right. And you'd think it would be the wins. And he didn't say that. He said, it's a connection I've built with these young men, helping them create an experience through where they become, they, they grow from boys to men and to be able to have a connection with each other that lasts a lifetime. Yeah, I was going to say, and I have to think that a coach like that would have a collection of uh, alumni that that he keeps track of. Oh, for sure. Uh, like for the rest of their careers, whatever, and, and way passports. No doubt about it. They're, once you're a youth, you're a youth for life, man. That's the thing that's awesome about it is is that they're all cheering for each other and. It's, it's a tribe, man. It, it really is. You know, you're a youth and no pun intended, you know, because it's, uh, it, it really is fascinating how tight they all are, uh, of the alumni and everything else. And that's what's special about it is, is, uh, it really is very unique and, 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 and pretty, uh, different than where the college world is going right now with, with a lot of, uh, it's, it's all focused on individual achievement. It's all focused on, on, on personalities of coaches and that sort of thing. And I, 
I, I, I just really hope and, and, you know, that, that there's, that there's, that there's other organizations that can follow the, the example of the youths where they don't, they don't get caught up in that, even though, uh, there's a lot of colleges that pretty much become just little professional teams and they, and they, and because of the ability to, to they transfer portal and all that, where, you know, players can just move around. It's almost like they're free agents. In, in, yeah, in it's crazy. League. And it's really unfortunate. And, and Utah is one of the few teams that have very few turnover. They have very, very few people that leave the program. And once they're there, they're there. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've been successful. And it's the same thing in companies, right? They have turnover issues. And if you can build a level of connection where people don't want to leave, and I have stories upon stories on some companies that I've had a chance to interact with where literally they don't want to leave because of the, of the culture. They just don't. Well, and we talked last episode about sources of energy and that's, that's gotta be one when people have that deep of a connection to the purpose. I, well, I want to bounce off some of these uh, things, but first of all, uh, I was going to ask you, when are you going to write your book? And then you told me not only the, that you're writing the book, but you told me the title of the book. Yep. So uh, do you have a target for when that's going to be done? I'm hoping be uh, be probably mid-year next year. Yeah, That's fantastic. So yep. 2023 uh, listeners watch for Travis Anderson, the culture builders, and I'll try and squeeze it on my bookshelf here. My background. Um, I want to pick up on shared activities. Yeah. I've been in um, a bunch of situations where people say, well, we're not really performing as a team um, or we need a better relationship. And my experience has been the best way to get a relationship or to feel like a team is to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And it could be work. In fact, it's probably best that it's work. And here's, here's the story. It didn't really happen to me. It's, but it's, this is kind of how I feel about it is, is, uh, you know, I, I was, a, when I was a little kid, we lived in a new neighborhood. And, um, so there's a new kid moves in and the moms meet and, and, uh, my mom has this mom over with her kid and they say, you know, we think you should be friends. And I'm like, that, that kid looks weird. He talks funny. Uh, I'm not interested. Like, why would he be my friend? But you know, mom says you have to be friends. And so you can sit and stare at each other and that's only going to go so far. So you go in the backyard and you say, uh, you know, I've always wanted to build a tree for it in this tree. And the kid says, my dad just built a fence. I got boards (laughs) and away you go. And in 15 minutes, you're friends. Yep. Absolutely. But when under your mom's supervision to stare at each other and try and find common grounds impossible. And, and I really have felt so many times in professional settings, particularly when I was in the public service and we were talking about um, uh, the relationship between different organizations, yeah. so different corporations, kind of a common interest. And we're supposed to work together. And I'm like, we just have to work together. Like there's no, we're not going to whiteboard this thing out. We're just going to do it or it's not going to happen. Do you agree with that? hundred percent. You know, it's like, uh, I, you've got to have a vehicle to create that sense of teamwork, right? You, you've got to have, uh, you do things together. That's why I love sports is you're, you're doing stuff together, not just during the games. It's in the practices, right? But it's together. 
and you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You got to develop your own personal skills, but then you got to figure out how to work together and you need to be able to have tangible ways of doing that. And to be honest with you, I think the physical kinds of things can make a huge impact. You know, it's, that's why I love doing these outdoor types of retreats because you're actually doing stuff together, right? We just did one up in Bear Lake a couple of weeks, a couple, three weeks ago. And uh, it was a group of the top of tw- a group of 12 top leaders of this organization. And we spent tons of time, you know, working through some clarifying their vision and talking about, you know, business processes and such. But we all, I always figure out how to involve different activities. Again, what's ropes course, whatever. Well, the yeah. winter is kind of tough. You know, you got Bear Lake, there's two, two feet of snow out there. And, you know, we've done all kinds of crazy stuff like build snow caves and what have you. But this time we got real creative. We ended up the last event for everybody, including three women, was to do a polar plunge. And, and we had, and we had this bare lake. It was like 15 degrees. And, and, and we had a couple of, luckily a couple of Marines. I was part of their executive team from way back, but they went back into their Marine mentality because we didn't just jump in. What they did is, is, is that they all decided to just walk straight into the lake with their arms locked mm. as far as they could or the tallest guy up to their chin. And the other guys would just hang on. Right. And then they would come back. And what was so awesome, first of all, some of them went, one woman told me later, in fact, I got to give her a call. She says that probably was one of the most breakthrough experiences she's ever had because she never imagined she could ever do something that tough. That's crazy. She went out there and just as, as, as halfway out there, it was getting colder and colder and people were shivering, you know, and just literally taking deep breaths and just half of them didn't know if they could make it. And the one of the Marines just bellowed out, just out of the blue, stay in the fight, stay in the fight. And all of a sudden they had to talk about energy. You could sense and feel that energy. They went all the way out and then they came back and just automatically fell into place. The one of the Marines led the, led the group back and the other Marines stayed back and made sure everyone got there. And it wasn't orchestrated at all. Wow. That's the thing that you're going to remember the rest of their lives, especially the women. And one of those women literally tears in her eyes at the end of that retreat looked at me and she said, I will never forget that I can do things that I never thought I could do. Being out there in the cold with some Marines. <laughs> That's a bragging thing you can brag about for forever. And it's not about the bragging. It's about the when you need to, you can look inside and say, I can do oh, you create those memories. That's what activities do, right? Yeah. I had I had an experience where I was uh I was a guide, but not a leader of the boys. Yeah. On on a glacier trip in the Canadian Rockies, and there was a kid there who shouldn't have been, who shouldn't have come. Mm. He was uh he was on the spectrum. He didn't have any really friends there. Um he had two ingrown toenails and he was a big kid and he was out of shape. Oh, wow. So he got up to the Alpine hut. We were staying, never got on the glacier. Uh, and then we hike out in a snowstorm. Oh, wow. And, and, um, immediately he falls at the back. So there's his two leaders and I stayed at the back and, you know, he's, he's not with the boys again, picking our way through the snowstorm back, uh, back to get picked up by a bus. And, um, at, at a critical point, he said, uh, I think I have only three minutes of battery life left. <laughs> you, you can imagine what kind of world this kid lived in. Oh yeah. 
one of the one of the leaders got him talking about his favorite thing, which was uh, comic book superheroes. Oh wow, obscure ones, even I think, and uh, that kept him till the end. So then we got on the bus. I ended up sitting next to him. Uh, he never saw the mountains. His head was down the whole time. He, he wasn't hanging out with the guys. He was in pain the whole time. And uh, he looked over at me and said, that was the best experience of my life. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So, so what he missed was some of the connection, except his, his adult leaders were awesome. <laughs> right? They made him do it. Um, they, they showed him he had reserves that he didn't think he had. Um, and so, yeah, those kinds of experiences are fantastic. And I think we can get more value out of hard experiences at work. Yeah. If we connect it back to the purpose, we recognize the contributions different people make. And, and while it's good to get outside, sometimes you have to have that experience in the real trenches of the work that you're doing. No doubt about it. You know, that's the thing I love about corporate America Corporate Canada, I guess, too. <laughs> is, well, we'll see. Yeah. Is, is it's a playground to change people's lives. That's the thing I love about culture. If you do it right, it can make a huge impact on people's livelihood and the way they are able to connect with other people. The sad part is pretty, is pretty uh, atypical. I just read some statistics that 70% of people at work feel that they're not engaged at work. 70%. Yeah. You know, and they're taking and they're taking money from the company, and the company's paying them. Yeah, and what a waste on both sides, right? What it's a, waste a phenomenal waste. And 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 the potential to bring people together, as I said before, culture is all about connection and uniting, connecting with people, and then uniting over a common cause. So I want to jump down to the bottom of your list because we got to wrap up here, Travis. This time goes so fast. You talked about deep human connection, and you said it has to get to the heart. So. I'm tracking this because in my work on essential dynamics, I'm on the people side. I'm a process guy. I'm a strategy guy. I'm not as strong on the people side. And I know that. And I'm thinking, what's the question that I can ask organizations to think about where they would say, you know, we need to make a change. And the question I came up with on the people side was, what are you doing to deserve the hearts of the people? Mm, I love that. Because so often the, the leaders that I've worked with over the years are trying to get people to do stuff. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out how to pay them differently. So they'll do stuff or how to communicate with them. And I don't know, like somehow manipulate them into doing stuff. Yeah. And, and to your point, the potentials there, people aren't engaged. They'd love to be engaged. And so I'm asking them, do you deserve the hearts of the people? And if you do, then, then figure out how to get them. Yeah. And I think you'll be blown away. Absolutely. I love that. You got to win the hearts and minds, right? That's what you got to do. And that's what happened that's why uh, that's why I love sports is because I think it happens in with the best teams is is that the best the best coaches in football and basketball and any kind of sport are able to capture the hearts and minds of the players and and they and, and all the players do the same is is that it's a, it's it's a it's a work of, of it, it's a work of the heart and and one of the things that's very unique about uh, the retreats that I like to do is 
um, yeah, we spend time strategizing and thinking about stuff and doing stuff that takes intellectual brain power. But I'll tell you, some of the most powerful and the things that I remember the most are, are the shared activities. And then we do what, what I call a deep dive. And a deep dive typically happens, usually it takes about two to three hours, usually with a group of 10 to 12 people, where we talk about questions that, that usually are never talked about, such as, what was it like growing up? Right? What was your biggest childhood challenge? What was a key defining moment that changed the way you think about life? Those kind of questions. Let could go on. But usually two and a half hours into that, with guys that 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 are that are pretty tough, including the Denver Bronco top 10, 12 players, the Denver Broncos, that thought they were the only ones that came from a pretty difficult background. I'll never forget at 1.30 in the morning. It took five hours to get through that process. And there wasn't a dry eye in the place because they all realized that they came from places that no one ever knew. They talk about how they came home and they saw their brothers covered up on the porch because they just got shot. And all they saw was the red sneakers showing out. And and their parents, a lot of times, most of them have only one parent. And, and I'll never forget one person told me that uh, – you know, he, he was a, he was a seven years old. Uh, he pretty much had to take care of his three little brothers who was three, four and five because his mom was strung out. And the only way that he, that he was able to take care of those kids is they had to, and they had a McDonald's in the corner and he knew exactly what time they'd throw out the stuff from the breakfast and, and whatever, he'd go out there in the, in the, in the garbage containers and, 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 and bring back some, some old, uh, McMuffins and stuff and put it in the fridge. And that's what they'd live off of for the next three days. And when you hear those kind of stories, another guy's saying, Oh my goodness. And they, and, and, and they just recognized that they, that football was their, it was the only way out of, of, of that kind of life. And, and for the one that makes it into football, there's 20 others that, that don't. And uh, for me, that deep human connection that you create by sharing that kind of stuff is stuff that, that really, Quite frankly, I think had a lot to do with the fact that when I, we start having these retreats three years before the foot before the 2015 Super Bowl, when Peyton Manning took him to the championship, and they got stronger every year because of that bond of those top 12 players. Once you get those top 12 players, everyone follows them, just like the executive team. I spend 80 percent of my time working with the executive team because they set the tone for everybody else. So, I think what you're saying is that's possible for any leadership team willing to do the work. Absolutely. That's what it requires. Got to be willing to do the work and you have to be willing to let your ego and your pride step down and you need to step up with your heart. That's what it's all about in my mind. And, and it's so hard to do in an environment mostly where that's not necessarily something that people are used to. It's out of the box, but I got to tell you, it's the most worth, worthwhile work that I've ever had a chance to do. Uh, I, I don't, I can tell you that I have memories that I'll never, uh, that I'll always cherish for the rest of my life because of that. Well, Travis, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast today and giving us a tiny dose of culture by design. Uh, remind us where people can find you. Well, probably the easiest way is I have a website called culturebuilders.com and, uh, Love to anybody to reach out uh, if, if you need to even call me. I'm happy to just 
I know a lot of people are really hesitant to give numbers out, but I, if anyone has any questions or wants to talk about culture, my number is 801-550-6049 and uh, be happy to talk to anybody that has interest because it's a topic I never get tired of talking about. Hey, hey, thanks. One of the great things about those Utah numbers is you think they're toll free. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Travis. Thanks, Bryn Griffiths for helping in the studio. I'm Derek Hudson and, Till next time, consider your quest. Yeah.